Hello, and welcome to Voices of Seed Kekwan. Today on the show, we'll be talking about Petersburg as an indigenous place in three acts. First, Diane Benson, Kari Peterson, and Hannah Floor talk about the formation of this radio show and why the show feels necessary. And then Hannah and I listen to a KFSK news story by Angela Denning about the history of indigenous people in and around Petersburg. And I sit down with Jeanette Ness and Brenda Louise to talk about the fact that Petersburg is indeed on Thinget indigenous homelands. Stick with us. Hello and welcome to Voices of Sikakwan. This is Hannah Floor, and you know, we are a couple of episodes in to this show now, and we haven't really fully introduced the folks behind Voices of Sikakwan. Um, or really even the project itself. So as Avery mentioned at the top, today we're going to be talking about Petersburg as a place with a long Indigenous history. But along the way, we're also going to be introducing you to some of the people who make this show possible. So as I mentioned, this is Hannah Floor, and um, I am the audio editor of Voices of Sikakwan, as well as the development director at KFSK. And I am here in Studio 2 at KFSK with Kari Peterson and Diane Benson. Hi. Uh, my name is Diane Benson. My Thinket name is Vches. Vches Yuchatuasak. Yes, na. I'm from the Raven side. Tan Ayachat. I'm Octane Tan, and I'm from the Tachit, the Snail House. I originate from Sitka, that's where my family is from, and I grew up in Sitka, Ketchikan, Prince of Wales, and uh, and always back to Sitka, and lived some time in Metlakatla. And you are also the chair of Payak. Yes which stands for the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee. Yes. Right. I'm Kari Peterson, and I am the program coordinator for the Petersburg Public Library and was asked by, um, at that time it was called the Elizabeth Pradovich Mural Committee, to join. And... Um, yeah, and I am the content coordinator, so I coordinate all of our fabulous volunteers for Voices of Sitkakwan. And you do a fabulous job. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> happy you. to work with you. Uh, in fact, when we started uh, Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee, it did begin with the Elizabeth Pradovich uh, mural project, and we just kept going after that. Uh, and that's when I first got involved and when, when I first moved here. Oh, gosh, I can't believe it's two and a half years already. But the I was so honored to be a part of the Elizabeth Pradovich Day celebration and then to continue on with this fabulous group of people in order to do, to do more and really to raise the level of awareness of the indigenous contributions and connections to this land. Mm-hmm. And you were the one who came up with the idea of calling it, changing it from the... Petersburg. I don't know. We 
we, well, we had the name of the mural mm -hmm. from the mural committee. And, of course, it was proposed we have to come up with something else uh, since we're talking about all these ideas. And it just came to me that, well, maybe we should be, based on everything that had been discussed, the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee mm -hmm. that seemed to encompass the mood of the group. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> That's what we are. We were just... Um, uh, remembering this before we turned on the mics that you suggested it and then in the course of, I don't know, like 1.5 minutes it was voted on unanimously and we, we were like, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> Moving on. And now we have that. And now we have it. Yeah. And, and Payak is kind of catchy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know that any of us remember exactly how the idea for this radio sh show came to be. I feel like it kind of happened in multiple corners separately and then we all came together yeah and I remember that that was the first meeting that both you and I had mm -hmm. attended when that when the name and I was excited to see Diane there because um I had met Diane she had come to the library um probably half a year before that and had I had sat down and got to know her and had a conversation with her because she wanted to volunteer time to the library. And so I was talking to her about what her interests were. And um, and then, yeah, we went our separate ways. And you had this idea of creating some content. And I had been working on podcasts. And I had in the back of my head that Diane would be wonderful mm -hmm. at radio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't... I don't even rem remember exactly how I knew Avery, Avery Herman Sakamoto, who's the audio producer here at Voices of Sikakwan, but I remember talking to her before that PIAC meeting about how she really wanted to go on a seal hunt. And I had just started at KFSK, and I, I didn't know anything about audio editing, and i brand new to yeah. the radio world, and, and so... Uh, <laughs> really prematurely was like, oh, that would make such amazing audio content. And I think that's that's sort of where my where yeah. the idea started forming for me. It just rolled like a wave from there because mm -hmm. as soon as it was mentioned, like as you, because I remember that you're bringing that up about seal hunt and things, and and we all just got on board and got very excited about the possibilities for the community and for anyone who wanted to be involved and to be able to uh, hear the voices from the community about their experiences here, as, namely the indigenous population. And I think both, you know, Native and non-Native alike, as they learn to and continue to learn to live together. And they say that uh, with great respect for the people of the community and how our voices really have not been heard in many places. Uh, various communities have found ways to lift it up, and it was obvious that there was a need for that here in Petersburg as well so that there was more content that we could relate to. Mm -hmm. And I think the radio has responded very well. Uh, this is very unique in in many ways uh, because we're exploring so many things and letting people bring to the table the things that matter to them, especially um, what's revealed. I really like this structure and this style 
the approach to this program because you really get to know a lot more about the people. So rather than just theoretically discussing issues or something like this, because that's mm-hmm. a lot of content, you know, mm-hmm. an opinion, but this is, this is life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, to me, sometimes shows more and gives you much more to relate to and to understand. Our people, Tlingit people, are, our relationship is with the land. Our relationship, so actually our relationships in general are everything. It's who we are, how we relate to one another, how we relate to the land. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's, this demonstrates that, uh, th- I think, through the programs that are coming up, to s- uh, people will really see what kind of connection that is. You can't separate a thinking person from the land mm. and actually be talking about thinking way or mm-hmm. thinking worldview because yeah. it's it's all about that relationship and everything is relationship. Mm-hmm. And and that comes back to um, when we had our very first content committee meeting. People were really excited for the very first episode. Um, and full disclosure, this was going to be the first episode. There was a lot of enthusiasm for the first episode, specifically talking about this area, Petersburg, Sikakwan, being Klinket land, um, because that's something that a lot of people felt like um, was not, is not commonly acknowledged. I think it's going to be it's always going to be a part of this entire program mm-hmm. because really you can't talk about thinking way of anything, whether it's food or harvesting or or uh, issues with each other or any other thing without talking about that relationship. I mean, it all ties in. It's not separate. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. It's It's simply not a separate thing. Um, So Hannah here. I am now sitting down with Avery Herman Sakamoto, who is another member of our Voices of Sitka Kwan team. And Avery, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Avery Herman Sakamoto. My Shlinket name is Yakan the Ain. It means to bounce back, um, resilience in a way. I'm named after my great-grandmother, Dorothy Grant. And... um, I work here at KFSK. I'm the audio producer for Voices of Seat Kakwan. Oh, say, say that again. I think I've been saying it slightly wrong. Seat Kakwan. Voices of Seat Kakwan. Yes. There you go. All right. So um, in my conversation with Diane and Kari just now, um, we touched on why this podcast even feels necessary. And Avery, you and I started talking about this podcast um, as sort of like a funny wild dream <laughs> like almost a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was realizing that I don't even know if I ever ask you why you were excited about this idea, um, like why this podcast seemed necessary to you. So um, I grew up born and raised here in Petersburg, and it's one of those things where I um, I was kind of put on the spotlight or um, in the spotlight a lot to kind of prove my indigeneity 
and that like indigenous people belong here and I also um like I also kind of grew up in this radio station so it's one of those things where I get to combine like my passions and Mm. it's just a really wonderful project Mm -hmm. what do you mean by proving your indigeneity um in my experience a lot of people have asked me for like facts or written proof that there's indigenous history here that indigenous (laughs) people are here Uh, okay gotcha yeah, I mean, I was born and raised here in Petersburg, and um, I definitely feel like the story that I grew up with was that um, was that this area was just a sort of sometimes fish camp and was not considered to be traditional indigenous homelands. Um, and... Well, it it turns out that that is not at all accurate. Um, And uh, KFSK's own Angela Denning actually did a story on precisely this um, back in September of 2017. And I've listened to this story a few times now, um, but you have not. No, I haven't. Okay. So we're going to play this story in full. Um, It's about five minutes long. And I'm really curious to see what you make of it. All right. Here we go. Along Petersburg's main downtown street, Ross Nanak III is selling his artwork from a table on the sidewalk. His hair is pulled back in a ponytail under a leather hat that's painted with clinket design in red, black, and turquoise. As this. What do you carve with? Right now I'm using these to carve... Nanook enjoys talking about his carvings and paintings. He's sort of a culture bearer, teaching about Clinket artwork and history to Petersburg tourists and students. I am Sukhtinadi of Kekwan, and I come from the Sukhit. Although Nanook knows his Clinket name, he was never taught the language. His grandparents' generation didn't pass it on. Assimilation has taken a big toll on our culture, and for over 100 years we were told to forget our ways. We were told that our totem poles and our carvings were works of the devil and we should burn them. There's a disconnect of just who we are. Still, artifacts are everywhere on Metcalf Island, showing a long history of indigenous people. Hi. Hey. Come on up. Jane Smith and Gina Esposito are archaeologists for the U.S. Forest Service in Petersburg, and it's their job to keep track of artifacts found in the area. Their offices are on the second floor of a downtown building, and it's just what you'd think it'd look like. Maps on the walls, shelves of rocks and bags of soil samples, a yellow hard hat on a backpack on the floor. As you can see, we could use more space. Organized chaos. That's what we have here. We have soil probes here, Soil too. probes. Soil augers that help us find um, shell-midden sites. Shell-midden sites are like prehistoric trash piles. Esposito says that Clinket ancestors left mounds of shellfish remains, charcoal, and fish bones. Um, after they would harvest and eat and process, they would just toss it out outside their homes or outside their campsites or at their villages. And then over time, that builds up. The rainforest grows over the piles, so the soil probes are used to find them. These sites indicate where people were living for long periods of time. And that's what Esposito and her colleague recently discovered less than a mile from Petersburg. Right across from town, we've found evidence that there's village-sized sites um, across the Narrows. 
The site was dated to 1,120 years ago. On Mitkoff Island itself, they've discovered a 5,000-year-old fish trap. In fact, large-scale fish traps of various ages have been documented in all major waterways on the island. Smith and Esposito have worked together as an archaeology team for 20 years. Their oldest discovery near Petersburg is a 10,000-year-old site containing stone tool remnants. It was also found on Kupernoff Island near Petersburg. The pair tracks over 900 archaeology sites, including several rock paintings and carvings. Smith says they keep fastidious notes on the materials they collect and the GPS coordinates of the sites. And one of the reasons that we want to know where they are is so when the Forest Service does an action, like builds a road or puts in an outhouse or whatever they're going to be doing that might be a ground-disturbing activity, we know where the archaeology sites are so we can avoid them. Smith and Esposito work with Petersburg Indian Association, the local tribe, to try to connect what they've found in the field to traditional knowledge. The locations of the sites are not shared with the general public for fear of vandalism. But the story that's been perpetuated publicly is a different one. Published articles and websites say that Mikhoff Island was never inhabited permanently by Native people. It was an occasional stopover for fishermen and hunters for the past few thousand years. But that's not the entire story. It's, um, you know, it's kind of emotional, really. Brenda Norheim is a board member for the local tribe. Like other Petersburg residents, she's grown up being told that no one was living around Petersburg when white settlers arrived. But that left a hole to her past. Where were her people? She didn't learn the answers at home. When her mother was growing up in Petersburg, there were signs that read, No Natives. She wasn't told traditional stories or taught the Clinket language by her elders. Natives weren't allowed to buy land. So, you know, it, were they just not here because somebody said they weren't here? Some of these questions might never get answered. What Norheim hopes for now is that the archaeology finds bring a shared history to town, one of indigenous natives and Norwegian settlers. Back on Petersburg's Main Street, Nanak watches the cars go by and says he's not surprised by what the archaeologists have been finding. When we talk about ourselves, we say that we've been here since time immemorial. He says the science just adds to what he already knows, that his people have been living on and around Mikhoff Island for a very, very long time. So this is Hannah, and I am here with Avery in Studio 2 at KFSK, having just listened to Angela's story. And Avery, um, what are your thoughts on that piece? That was something. Um, a lot of feelings right there. Um, I mean, growing up here, we were always told that this wasn't like indigenous land, even though I would go home every day. And my parents would talk about it and talk about how my grandparents talked about it and the stories that they told. So in a way, it's confirming. It's really nice confirmation. But at the same time, it feels like we just have to constantly prove ourselves and mm -hmm. prove our indigeneity to people who don't really have a say in that and shouldn't have a say, but somehow still have a say. <laughs> Avery here. Um, 
I've been thinking about my experience and how it feels to um, feel like I have to constantly prove that I that I belong here, that um, that think it people belong here. It's helped me recognize that I find strength in my pride of my indigenous heritage. And um, I've been wondering if that's how other Thinkit people feel, if that's what other Thinkit people experience or have experienced. So I decided to to reach out to a couple of Thinkit elders and um, ask them about it. Good morning. Good morning, Avery. Hi. Will you both introduce yourselves? Go for it. You're the older. <laughs> uh, yeah. By three weeks. My name is Jeanette Ness. My clinket name is Kashkani. I'm Raven from the Sea Pigeon um, Sakai House. Uh, my name is Brenda Louise. My clinket name is Tlekauk. It actually means small berries in a basket, which is why I always find myself in a jam. <laughs> okay, so I am also a raven at Gunnakuddy in the Tongass tribe. And I think that's it. Right? Wonderful. Okay. I never said I was a raven. I'm a raven. Yeah, you did. did. I did? Yeah. Oh. See how my memory is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you both so much for coming in this morning. Um, I am curious how it's felt to grow up here in Petersburg with the popular narrative that, uh, that this isn't indigenous land. So um, there's a... I'm on the the um, Natives Without Land Committee, and so I have different kinds of information that come across my desk. And one of them that I would love to have taken credit for was a saying that said, there is nowhere you can step that is not indigenous land. So I don't think that that can be disputed. Where thousands of years there has been petroglyphs and midden and burial sites and artifacts that have been found in Alaska, but not even just in Alaska. Before the explorers, the conquistadors and Russians and Norwegians and all the explorers that wanted to expand their world, um, came to the United States and came to Alaska, the indigenous people were there and had been there for centuries. So there's nowhere you can step in the entire United States that is not indigenous land first. So the point is, how does that change today? How is it that Alaska Natives facing the issue of Natives Without Land, a 50-year unsettled 
issue for five communities, Petersburg, Wrangell, Ketchikan, Haines, and Tanakee Springs, who were left out. And why they were left out is not important. The fact that this is an opportunity to make things right. Um, and it has nothing to do with how many people band together to make a clan or a site or a village or a big community. The fact is that Alaska Natives, indigenous people everywhere, have been a part of this land, Alaska and the contiguous United States, for centuries, centuries and centuries. So truly, there is nowhere that you can step that is not indigenous land first. I just want to add a little to that because I just feel like um, now, uh, I almost feel like being indigenous is a trend in a way. It's, it's the thing right now. and that people are trying to or are learning to understand what indigenous is. And the fact is we've always been here. We've just been, I don't know, either overlooked or ignored, but now we're making the surge, a reawakening of what indigenous is. And the teachings that go with it. Yeah. The amazing thing about all indigenous people is no matter where they have lived, they lived in harmony with the land. They did not pollute. They did not over-harvest. They treated everything sacred. When a salmon was caught, the thought was this was a way to nourish the people with not only the flesh of a fish, but the spirit of a fish. Um, and that's true for whatever was taken, whether it was blueberries or cedar bark for clothing or anything that has been used by the native people anywhere in the United States was meant to be taken in a way that was harmonious. And I don't really think that creating a victim sense or a victim story, like blaming somebody for something that happened even though it was not a good thing that happened, I think that looking at indigenous people and accepting the sacredness that comes with that group of people and implying it and sharing it is one of the most valuable things that non-Indigenous people can share from Native peoples. Next week on the show, we'll continue the conversation with Brenda Louise and Jeanette Ness, and we'll be talking about the pride we feel to be Tlingit. I hope you join us. Voices of Sikakwan is recorded and produced on Hlinket Ani, the historical homeland of the Hlinket people, but also the current homeland and the land that holds their future.
Thank you for joining us for Voices of Sitka Kwan. This show is a collaboration between the Petersburg Indigenous Awareness Committee, KFSK Community Radio, and the Petersburg Public Library. It is made possible, in part, by a grant from the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the Alaska State Libraries, Archives, and Museums. It is also made possible by the generosity of our participants, including the volunteers on our content committee. We thank them for their enthusiasm and dedication. To participate in Voices of Sitka Kwan, contact Kari Peterson at the Petersburg Public Library. Archives of past shows can also be found on the library website, as well as on Spotify and Apple Media. Gunakchish. Hey, 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 we